Good evening and welcome again. We're glad that you're here tonight. We're going to be looking at the passage that Jordan read just a moment ago, Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 28. And we're going to be talking tonight about the theme, what does the Bible say? When you begin to look at the ministry of Jesus, it's interesting to note how he dealt with people. Oftentimes, Jesus would respond to a question by asking a question. And then also when you begin to examine how he taught people and dealt with people, it's noteworthy to point out that he oftentimes pointed people in the direction of what God had said in his word. There was a great emphasis in the teachings of Jesus on the word of God. You remember in Matthew chapter 4 when Jesus was tempted by the devil. And the Bible says, the devil said, command these stones to be turned into bread. The response of Jesus was, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Jesus emphasized the word that proceeded or came forth from Almighty God. In Matthew chapter 19, Jesus was asked on one occasion, is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? His response, have you not read? And the reference was to what God had said in his word. In Matthew chapter 22, some Sadducees came to Jesus and questioned him about the resurrection. And Jesus said to those people in that day, you are mistaken, or you do err, not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. What we think about the Bible will have an impact on where we spend eternity. How we deal with scripture will ultimately have tremendous consequences, not just on our life here on earth, but again, where we spend eternity. I want to call attention to Luke chapter 10 tonight as we read of a lawyer that is an expert in the law who came to Jesus on one occasion. And he said, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus responded by saying, what is written in the law? How do you read it? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You've answered rightly or correctly. Do this and you will live. There are two things that I want to share with you tonight as we look at this text. In light of the question and the response given by Jesus. First of all, Jesus gave the right answer to the question. Now somebody might say, well, he answered a question with a question. And that's true. But in his answer, in his question, he affirmed an answer. So I want to begin by, first of all, noting that first question posed by Jesus. What is written in the law? 
When Jesus asked that question, what he was doing was emphasizing the sufficiency or the all-sufficiency of Scripture. Jesus was asking this man, what does, what does the Bible say? What does Scripture say about eternal life? I want to ask a question. Do we have everything that we need to live acceptably in the sight of God? My response would be yes. We have everything that is necessary for life and godliness. That's what Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Peter would tell us that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of men, or the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit or born along by the Holy Spirit. What Peter was saying is that God's word did not originate with man, but rather it is the product of Almighty God. Paul said every scripture, all scripture is inspired of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly furnished unto every good work. Here's a man, an expert in the law, and he's asking Jesus one of the most profound questions that could ever be asked by anyone. What do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, you want to know what you need to do to inherit eternal life? Then go to the Bible. Go to the source of all the, all the answers to the questions that arise relative to spiritual things. When we look at God's word, it gives us an answer to many of the questions that we have. Some of the basic questions. Where did we come from? We came from the hand of a loving God. We have been created in the image and the likeness of God. That's what the Bible says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. The psalmist said in Psalm 139 that we have been fearfully and wonderfully made. God is the father of our spirit. God has housed within us, that is, he has placed within this temporal tabernacle of clay an eternal spirit. There is the outward man and the inward man. How would I know that I have a soul separate and apart from scripture? Can't know that. What about deity? The deity of Jesus. Is it not the case that when I read the scriptures, I can come to a better understanding of who Jesus was and is? Jesus would say to the people of his day, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And then he said in verse 39 of chapter 5 in the book of John, these are they which testify of me. What does the Bible say about Jesus? He's the son of God. Over and over again, we read of the claims that were made by Jesus that he was God's only begotten son. I think about that voice that came forth from heaven. When Jesus was baptized by John in the river Jordan, God said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Or as Jesus was transfigured on the mountaintop in the presence of Peter, James, and John, and God again said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, hear him. 
John said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's Jesus. God incarnate. Because in verse 14 of John 1, he said, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. Glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And then what about the matter of salvation? How am I going to know what to do to be right with God if I don't have the Bible? Think again about the question posed by this so-called expert in the law. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? If you want to know what to do to be saved, where do you go? To the source. You go to the very word of God. When we talk to people during the course of our daily lives, questions will automatically come up about religion. Sometimes people will say, what do I need to do to be, to be, to be saved? Where are we going to point them? What we ought to do is do as Jesus did, point them in the direction of truth. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 10, Paul said that salvation is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. How do I know what to do to be saved? Well, I've got to open the pages of the Bible to read and to study. And I might add, it's incumbent on me to look at Scriptures in their context, and sometimes even in a broader context, from a thematic standpoint. I can look at various subjects, and I have to look at remote context and other context to make sure that my interpretation is correct. The psalmist said in Psalm 119, 160, the sum or entirety of your word is truth. What I have to do is sit down and draw together the sum totality of God's word and then draw my conclusions the Bible says we have to believe that Jesus is the son of God John 8 24 repent of our sins Luke 13 3 confess the name of Jesus Acts 8 37 and then be immersed in a watery grave of baptism so that my sins can be washed away Acts 22 16 that's not something that I came up with but rather that's something that is found in scripture I can give you book, chapter, and verse. I can give you a number of verses that underscore not just the deity of Christ, but what we have to do to enjoy salvation and eternal life. The church. A lot of folks in our world today have questions about the church. We live in a world that is divided, religiously speaking. And the reason is because there are a multiplicity of doctrines that are being taught. How do I know anything about the church that's spoken of in Scripture without Scripture? The fact of the matter is I have to go to the source and say, this is what God has said about His church. God in the long ago planned or purposed the church. It exists today in accordance with God's eternal purpose. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 9 through 11. The prophets of old foretold of the coming of the church. Isaiah saw the church as an exalted mountain into which all nations would flow. And he pinpointed the place where the church would begin. He said the word of the Lord will go forth from Jerusalem. The church was established in A.D. 32 or 33 in the city of Jerusalem. 
just as Isaiah had said some seven centuries earlier. Jesus promised to build his church in Matthew 16, 18. Did he accomplish that? Yes, he did. Was it not Jesus that said to some who were present on one occasion, Verily I say unto you, There are some of you standing here that shall not see death till you see the kingdom of God come with power. The kingdom came with power. The apostles were endowed with that baptismal measure of the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in other tongues. They preached the gospel for the first time. Everything up to Acts chapter 2 points to the coming of the church. But when you get to Acts chapter 2, you have what some have called the hub of the Bible. And the reason is because in Acts chapter 2, we have the beginning of the Christian dispensation. The church is off and running. And the book of Acts traces the origin, or rather, the inauguration of the church, the infancy of the church, and then the phenomenal growth of the church. But how could I know anything about the church without the Bible? Did you know the Bible tells us that there's just one head of the church? He is the head of the body of the church, Colossians 1.18. And there's just one body, Ephesians 4, verse 4. So these are questions that, in my mind, underscore the sufficiency of the Scriptures. There's a second thing that I want you to consider as it relates to what we're talking about. And that is the sameness of the scriptures. What do I mean when I talk about the sameness of the scriptures? There is uniformity, the uniformity of divine truth. The truth says the same thing to everybody. Does it say one thing to one group over here and another thing to another group over here, but rather it says the same thing to every person. It is the standard, the measuring stick. And so when you begin to look at what the Bible teaches, what the Bible says, it's obvious that God intended for us to uphold the sameness of the message. Do you remember in the city of Corinth, one of the problems was division? And so Paul said, now I plead with you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that you all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. All Paul was saying is, look, you want to correct the division that exists among you, here's how you do it. You all speak the same thing. In that same book, in chapter 4, verse 17, Paul said he taught the same thing everywhere in all the churches. Paul didn't go to one church and teach one doctrine, then go to another church and teach another doctrine, then another one over here. He didn't do that. Now, he addressed a number of biblical subjects, and some subjects were exclusive to certain congregations or to certain people. But when it came to the doctrine. It's all the same. It is all the same. It goes hand in glove. And so John would say, whoever goes on and abides not in the doctrine of Christ has not God. But those who abide in the doctrine of Christ, they have both the Father and the Son. 
Jesus asked the question, what's written in the law? There is a second question that he raised. And that is, what is your reading of it? Now let's just pause there for a minute. Jesus is asking this man, what's your interpretation of the scriptures? We have to take this message and begin sifting what has been recorded and drawing the truth together so that we can form a conclusion. Jesus wanted to know, what's your reading of it? There are some people in the world that are careless in their examination of God's word. There are some that are very, care that are very careful. What I would recommend is that we approach this book with a sense of awe and respect. The psalmist in the long ago said, my heart stands in awe of your word. I want you to think about something for a minute. There is nothing that we're going to take with us into eternity, materially speaking. Whatever we own, whatever we possess, and really we're just stewards of that which God has entrusted into our care. But there is not one thing that we have in our possession today that will go with us into eternity with the exception of this book that we call the Bible. The word that you hold in your hand is God's word. And Jesus said, he that rejecteth me and receiveth not my word hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. Paul said in Romans chapter 2 at verse 2, we know that the judgment of God is according to truth. So Jesus asked two questions. Number one, what is written in the law? And then number two, what is your reading of it? How do you read the scriptures? Let me just be very blunt. One of the real problems we have in society today is people don't know what God's word says. When Jesus asked the, the question, what is written in the law? Think about how many biblical topics we could come up with and we could just stop somebody on the street corner and ask them, what is written in God's word? Many, many people would have that blank look. They don't know. Then Jesus asked, what's your reading of it? What he is saying here is, it is extremely important how you interpret the scriptures. You better make sure that your interpretation of scripture harmonizes with truth. Why is that? Because this is the book that's going to judge you one day. I mean, this is the book that we're, that we're going to that we're going to give an account to God on the basis of how we've lived. 
Either we've been in harmony with this book or we haven't. So Jesus' response to this man was two questions. He gave the right answer to the question. What's written in the law and what you're reading of it. But then he gave the right advice to the questioner. That is this expert in the law. Listen, if you would, in verse 28, and we're going to back up and note what this man said. But Jesus, to sum it up, here's the right advice. Do this and you'll live. That is, follow the law of God and you'll live. But I want you to think with me for just a moment about the response of this lawyer. Listen to what, listen to what he said. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. So put yourself in the shoes of this lawyer. First, there was an examination of the scriptures. He had to go back and sift, either in his mind, or he had to take the scriptures as they were in that present time and examine them. Remember again, he had asked, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus responded by saying, what's written in the law? How do you read it? And so he could examine the scriptures. And then not only did he examine the scriptures, but he interpreted the scriptures. Here's what he did. First of all, he went back to Deuteronomy chapter 6. And in Deuteronomy chapter 6, God had said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. These words which I command you today shall be in your heart. So in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, that encompassed loving the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, and mind. Then he went to Le Leviticus chapter 19 at verse 18 where God had said, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So he went back to the Pentateuch, and he draws these passages together. He examines the scriptures, and here's his, here is his interpretation. You want eternal life? You want to go to heaven? Then here's my answer. That is speaking on behalf of the law here. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. He hit the nail on the head, didn't he? How did he do that? He examined the scriptures, and then he interpreted the scriptures. Is that not what we have to do today? I mean, if we want to go to heaven, what do we, what do we have to do? What, what do we say is the compass that will get us from earth to heaven. It's the word, isn't it? Did the psalmist not say your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway? Here is this expert in the law's response to Jesus. The Lord wanted to know, what's written in the law? How do you read it? All right, here's my answer, Lord. I've got to love you with all of my heart, soul, and mind, and I've got to love my neighbor as myself. Listen now to the Lord's response. He said, 
you have answered rightly. That infers he could have answered incorrectly, doesn't it? There are a lot of questions people have, biblically speaking. There are a lot of things that people will raise in the realm of religion. And they'll say, you know what, the Bible says this or the Bible says that, and they miss it by a mile. Why is that? Because it's based on their subjective feelings rather than what the word actually says. Paul would say, prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Again, that infers or implies that there are some things that are not good. When, when Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, he said, study to show yourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. My conclusion is that this fella rightly divided the word of truth. As a result of that, Jesus affirmed, your answer is correct. But notice assurance, do this and you will live. What do you think Jesus was saying there? It's my conviction that what the Lord was saying on this occasion is this. You want to go to heaven? You want to be with God one day? Then here's what you need to do. You need to follow the Bible. Follow the scriptures. Seems old-fashioned. Archaic even today in our modern world. And yet, what Jesus said 2,000 years ago rings true today. Follow the scriptures. If you do that, the assurance is you'll live. You'll have eternal life. How do I know that? Because Jesus said, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father in heaven. The prerequisite to entering the kingdom of heaven is what? Doing the will of the Father. That's exactly what Jesus said. Do you remember in Revelation chapter 22, verse 14? John is about to lay aside the pen of inspiration. The canon will be closed. John is writing in the latter part of the 90s. Maybe, well, actually maybe 95, 96 A.D. And John said, blessed are those that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and enter through the gates into the city. What John was saying is exactly what Jesus was saying. And that is, you follow the word of God and what? You'll live. You'll have life eternal. I said this morning, we're not trying to reinvent the wheel. All we're trying to do is point people in the direction of truth. What does the Bible say? There are a lot of questions that, that, that come our way on a daily basis. I want to encourage you. When people ask you a religious question, the best response you can give them is what does the Bible say? Point them in the direction of truth. Let them read it with you. When they can see it in black and white, then, then it's up to them to decide. I'll either obey it or I will disobey it. I remember several years ago, Brother Garland Elkins was talking to me about 
the opportunity that he had to appear on the Phil Donahue program. And he said at the conclusion of the program, and it was a very hostile crowd during that hour-long program, Brother Elkins said at the conclusion of the program as he was leaving that he had a tract, and he took that tract and handed it to Phil Donahue. And he said, here's what I want you to do, Phil. He said, read this tract. If what it says is true, if what, what it says is what the Bible teaches, then I want you to do it. He, says, he said, but if it's not truth, then discard it. I know Brother Elkins well enough to know that it was true. What he said was truth. When it's all said and done, all we can do is point people to what the Bible says. They have to make the decision for themselves. Jesus answered a question with two questions. His advice, just as true today as it was on this occasion. You want to know what you need to do to inherit eternal life? Follow the Bible. You do this and you will live. I want to ask you tonight, are you living by the Bible? Does your life measure up to what this book teaches? How important is it for me to live in harmony with the Word of God? I said just a minute ago, this is a book that's going to judge us. So if my life is not in harmony with this book, it would only stand to reason that if I want to go to heaven, I need to get right with God. The way to do that, follow this book. Have you been baptized into Christ? Have your sins been washed away by the cleansing power of the blood of Christ? The only way your sins can be washed away is by doing what they did on Pentecost Day. When Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins. If you do that, God will add you to the church. How do I know that? Because I can read it in black and white. And if you'll live faithfully, the promise is the crown of life, Revelation chapter 2, verse 10. If you're unfaithful to the cause, our plea to you, come back. Come home. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Sometimes people lose their way spiritually, just like folks out traveling on the highway. They get lost. And the only way to get back on course, pull your map out, pull your GPS out. See what it says. If you've lost your way today as a member of the church, you want to go to heaven, time to get your map back out. It's the only way to get home. Only way. I want to close by telling you, two weeks ago, Jared, Jared and I had the opportunity to visit with Joanne McGee. We had formed, we had formed or forged a friendship with her over the past three or four months. We first met her in July of this year. 
when she was diagnosed with stage 4 lung cancer. She had turned 50 in June of this year. She lost her battle to cancer this afternoon, just a little after 5. Two weeks ago, we sat beside her in her sister's home. Her own mother had asked me to talk to her about her spiritual condition. And so, two weeks ago, we sat in their home. I asked her, I said, when, when you quit going to church, did you just quit? And she said, yes. I said, don't you want to be restored? Her response, yes, I do. They called the family in, and we had prayer together, and she was restored. If we had waited to talk to her, it would have been too late. I'm so thankful that we had the opportunity to visit with her and to see her restored. Last night at the hospital, she was struggling to live. She lost that fight today. But she's home now. The only thing that matters when you leave this earth were you right with God. As we prayed last night, in my prayer, I said, we're not ready to give her up, but our loss will be heaven's gain. One day, you're going to step outside this life, and you'll be in eternity. And I want to ask you, where will you be? I hope you're following the Bible. If you're not, I want to strongly encourage you. You need to do that. Don't wait too late. Too many people wait. And sometimes they wait, and they wait, and the next thing you know, they're gone. So tonight, if you need to respond to heaven's invitation, we urge you to do that as we stand and sing.